Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is David Ditch. He is a policy analyst specializing in budget and transportation policy in the Grover M. Herman Center for the Federal Budget at the Heritage Foundation. David, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to talk about the the $3.5 trillion package the Biden administration is trying to pass off as a zero cost to anyone. How How does that work, David? Oh, my gosh. I mean, where do I even begin? And so... It, it started with a comment that the president made that was, frankly, I think it was a verbal slip. He, I think, wanted to say that it wouldn't add to the deficit, which, by the way, is wrong. It adds substantially to the budget, according to every single nonpartisan right. analysis I've seen. But let's put that aside. He said that it was zero cost, which is absurd. But then the administration has repeatedly I think they're up to quintupling down at this point. I mean, I'm seeing these carefully vetted tweets still coming out as late as this week promoting the zero cost. Now, let's say that you emptied out your bank account and emptied out your savings account and used it to buy the nicest car you had. I mean, if you saved a decent amount, maybe you buy a Lamborghini. You don't go into debt, but is it zero cost? I mean, it... it, I don't know who this argument is supposed to try to convince. Is it is it the fact that if they just keep saying it enough, they'll think people will actually believe it because they've ble- they believe so many other lies that this administration has put out? Except, uh, if you look at the polling numbers, I mean, the, the the you know not only is you know the the job approval of the president you know cratering. But also uh, the polls I've seen on the legislation show that the people who are paying attention to it are the most likely to dislike it. The people who – the more people know, the more they hate, which is something that uh, Senator McConnell was saying just you know, not too long ago you know, based on what he'd seen. Well, and you know, if it was just dollars, which is bad enough, but I mean it just – the things that it's funding are, you know, bad for the family. It's just bad all around. You know, this basically the new Green Deal, you know, cloaked under a different term. But, you know, you mentioned something just about the dollars in, in your article. I think it was your article that, that, you know, I think bring things to home. First of all, we have a 28 million plus trillion dollar deficit already. And you yeah. said that 220,000 $220,000 for every household, if they spent $1,000 a second based on $3.5 trillion, it would take 11 years. Yeah, it, the, the, the amount of money that they throw around is absolutely crazy. And part of the reason why it's upsetting is because they're acting as though it's funny money, as though there's, there's no – again, it, to them, it's no cost because it's other people's money. It's coming from today's ta- taxpayers and from future taxpayers who, by the way, in many cases aren't old enough to vote yet and thus don't have a say on the debt obligations that are being written on their name. Well, not even are they not old enough to vote. Heck, the taxpayers are going to be paying this haven't even been born yet. Yeah. A girl born today 
is going to have over $100,000 in debt to her name when she turns 18 and has a chance to, to vote. It's just mind-boggling that, especially, you know, not, again, it's a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, the bill is almost 2,500 pages long. There is no way these people that are in the going to vote for it are going to have read that whole thing. And I've actually taken some time over the last couple of weeks to try to read through the bill as much as I can while maintaining my sanity. And <laughs> so obviously you, when you're spending that much money, there's some, some big ticket items. But there are also so many little pet projects for very small special interest groups or very small you know, political benefits. There's hundreds of these things. There's... $200 million for a park in San Francisco that just happens to be located in Nancy Pelosi's district. There's a tax credit for local news journalists. There's a tax credit for union dues. There's $10 billion to subsidize, quote-unquote, environmental justice programs at colleges and universities. And then when people can't get a real job after getting a degree in environmental justice, the program spends $8 billion on a quote-unquote climate core jobs program for those people with the environmental justice majors. I mean, it's, it's just layer after layer after layer. Well, and again, and, and you know, it's, it's promoting critical race theory, it's promoting gender ideology, but it really, it's a bad you know, it's a bill against anti-family. It's trying to put, you know, force both parents to go to work so that the government right, can create some kind of institutional child care so they can indoctrinate our kids the moment they, you know, can be stuck in a car seat and brought somewhere. And even there. So in theory, child care works by having, you know, one people, one person or a couple people taking care of several children so that a parent can go and work, but that only makes sense if the parent who's working is making more than the person who's doing the child care. But this bill is going to implement minimum, you know, really high thresholds for child care pay such that it no longer becomes economical. The kids would be better off staying at home with mom or dad. Well, you know, there's a reason the government can't run anything. I mean, they, you know, they lost control many, many, many years ago of the post office, and all they do is continue to lose money. So for them to think that they can take over all this stuff, it really, it really becomes, you know, this socialist dream that the government is the end-all be-all for everybody. One of the things, there's small things that drive me up a wall. So this bill would dramatically increase taxes on businesses. Businesses, by the way, that are right now trying to drive the economic recovery, trying to keep products on the shelves, trying to find workers. We need businesses investing to keep the economy growing. This bill is going to tax them, and from one hand, and then the other hand, they're going to spend $3 billion hiring bureaucrats in the Small Business Administration whose job it is to hire businesses. Maybe I'm crazy, but I think the businesses would be better off if they kept the money themselves to begin with. 
Well, if you keep the money yourselves, then you can actually hire people, right? You don't have to get rid of people because you've been taxed. You don't have to increase the amount of your products that the consumer has to pay. I mean, they just have no idea. And the more they talk, whether you hear Jen Psaki at a news conference or whatever, it's, it really is mind boggling that either they think we're total idiots or they have zero grasp of economics. There's a, a genuine refusal to grapple with costs and with, 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 with trade-offs that essentially if you're taking money from somebody towards some purpose, you know, through the government, you're, you're taxing, there needs to be a, a public benefit that merits that cost. You know, when we spend what we spend on national defense, it's to defend the entire country, and that's you know that's not something a business is going to be able to do. A, a business isn't going to be able to man you know squadrons of jet fighters and tanks, but businesses are really good at creating jobs and providing goods and services. And one of the things this this bill really wants to do is to enact a you. Know, federal micromanagement of as many sectors of the economy as possible. Well, and what they say, those who can't do teach. And so they probably, you know, obviously they're going to hire people who wouldn't have a clue how to run a business. Uh, they couldn't run a lemonade stand, yet they're going to tell businesses what to do. And I think just to remind people kind of where we are today on top of what they're trying to spend, on top of what they're trying to do to destroy business, right? We have we have inflation higher than it's been in like 30 years, right? The cost of everything is crazy. We have supply chain issues. We have worker shortages, right? It, it, it is just bad out there, and they're trying to make a bad situation worse. Absolutely. One of the reasons why it's so important to avoid deficit increases is that we've had all this deficit spending. We've added – I, I was just looking at this today. We've added over $5 trillion to the national debt since last March, which is $42,000 in additional debt for every household in the country. And when you put all, push all that money out the door, and when the Federal Reserve is covering a lot of that by printing money, you end up driving inflation. And both the infrastructure bill that's going through Congress and the social spending package would then have hundreds of billions of dollars in additional deficit spending, which is going to mean even more inflation. Well, I mean, somebody may say, well, you know, this is Respect Life Radio. Why are you guys talking about this? Well, one, obviously, it's bad for the family. It's bad for business. Plus, they want to pay, you know, this bill will help pay for abortion at all time, anytime, right? I mean, in the end, it really is... Uh, the perfect storm when you have terrible, you know, the economy's not doing great. You got this going on, and then they're trying to really destroy the foundation of a society, which is family and life. I mean, I couldn't find really any redeemable value in in most of what I've read about. Again, a, a, one of the s smaller spending items. $85 million. Now, to regular people, $85 million is a lot. But in this context, it's one of the smaller things. It would fund 
medical research relating to you know trying to see whether there's some harm that climate change causes to pregnancy. But they can't just say pregnant women, they have to say pregnant individuals. They have to, within this bill, try to promote an agenda that warps fundamental, universal human concepts to appease an absolutely microscopic sliver of far-left activists. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's riddled with, with that kind of language. It's riddled with that kind of insanity. And, you know, it's, it's almost like they're mocking us, right? The other day, I think somebody was talking about the supply chain shortage, and Jen Psaki was like, oh, yeah, heaven forbid you don't get your treadmill. But I've heard, I've heard nurses say, look, hospitals are short of stuff because they can't get it. I mean, I go to stores. There's empty shelves throughout different stores. I mean, it really is a crisis, and they just kind of make fun of it and think it's really, you know, it's just a right-wing conspiracy to try to derail what we're trying to push. Some of my colleagues at the Heritage Foundation are really looking hard at the supply chain issue, and this is a serious problem. There, There's no easy solution, regardless of whether you're on the right or the left politically. This is going to be hard to get through. But yeah. one thing that's abundantly clear is we don't need more federal roadblocks to moving things around. And over and over again, whether it's the Biden administration, whether it is the Democratic majority in Congress, they are consistently trying to add more red tape to the economy. There's the the annual spent reg, quote unquote regular spending bill would include a provision that would prevent any money from going towards automating port facilities. Truck drivers are begging for automation at port facilities so that they can load and unload their trucks faster and get on the road and deliver the goods that people want. But we can't do that because there are a small number of dock worker labor unions that don't like automation and think that we're better off with the economy being strangled as long as it maximizes the number of their workers. Well, and, you know, I think what I saw, the average dock worker in Los Angeles, now it's expensive to live out there, makes like $170,000 a year or some ridiculous number. Um, yeah. But then you have, you know, you have this administration telling people, whether it's Buttigieg, who, you know, disappeared for two months and nobody even knew he was gone. Um, telling everybody that the reason we have supply chain issues is because Biden's done such a great job on the economy. Yeah, that that's a, that's a real head scratcher. Again, when you look at prices going up, when you look at empty store shelves, that's not a, a, a signature of a healthy economy. You can just go back two years. We had strong wage growth we had very low unemployment and we weren't adding untold trillions to the national debt. We weren't threatening businesses with more regulation and more taxes and the shelves were stocked and we didn't have inflation. And now that we've gone through this period of heavy federal involvement in the economy and again, the threat of more 
federal involvement and control over the economy. Things are going worse, and the prescription the administration is putting forward is more federal power, more federal control. It's the absolute last thing we need. We need to go the other direction. Well, they just can't bring themselves to do it. And, you know, I, I live in a small town and there are restaurants that can't hire people. So you got mom and pop restaurants. And now instead of being open seven, six, seven days a week, they're open three because they can only find workers to do that. Right. You know, we get employment numbers monthly. They, they undershoot by a large amount. You know, yet we're killing pipelines. Right. There's no more. You know, we're getting rid of leases and federal land. I mean, they do everything they can to kill jobs and then have no idea and blame COVID for the job issue that we have. Yes. Oil is, again, it's a perfect example. The administration could have just done nothing, just let reforms that have taken place over the last couple decades that have helped to lead an energy renaissance in this country. Just let it keep going. Just let it keep doing its thing. But that's not what the activists want. And the administration, even though Biden ran as a moderate, he has wholesale given control of his administration to the furthest left activists that he can find on every single issue. And this is the end result. What they've done in terms of canceling pipelines has empowered America's foreign adversaries and impoverished America's energy producers and impoverished the Americans who need to use the energy that we have sitting in the ground right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, you know, you just look at, I saw uh, someplace in California, gas prices are over $7 in some town, I forget what town it was. You know, they just what by the year 2024, is it? I think they want to outlaw all small engines, right? No, no lawnmowers, no leaf blowers, no weed eaters, none of the engines. And they want to make everything electric. And that's a state that is always running out of electricity and has to do rolling blackouts throughout throughout the summer. Yeah. If they were one of the the markers, I find you know whether someone is really serious about climate change and the environment is where do you stand on, for example, nuclear power, which doesn't have emissions but that can also provide reliable power to all the country the way that solar power and wind power aren't reliable. But the far left doesn't like nuclear. They only like solar and wind. The places that are, there are only so many places where that is a sustainable way to power our day-to-day lives. And especially along the East Coast, it's absolutely not a reasonable solution. But that is the only thing that the administration is willing to promote. Well, we saw the train wreck that happened in Texas, right, with the cold weather, uh, you know, everybody, you know, pipes bursting. I mean, the whole thing was a fiasco because they had power issues because they're trying to do all this green, green energy, solar windmills, all this stuff. It's ridiculous. One one thing I did, other thing, you know, that's been in the news a lot is this, you know, having the IRS kind of spy on our money, right? Anything over six, anything six hundred dollars needs to report it to the federal government. I mean, if that's not Big Brother, 
and a stamp on this on this spending that that should scare everybody. I don't know what is. They've now amended that after there was so much blowback to being oh instead of six hundred dollars it would be ten thousand dollars. Practically yeah. every single middle class family is still going to be impacted by a ten thousand dollar threshold, and I suspect that Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos are not sweating. Ten thousand dollars. If you know, they always talk about billionaires, if there are billionaires who aren't paying their you know, the taxes that they legally owe, they're not hiding it ten thousand dollars at a time. They're hiding it millions of dollars at a time. If you're going to go after the big fish, go after the big fish. The only right. reason you set the only reason you set it at ten thousand dollars or six hundred dollars is if you want to go after everybody. And the only reason why you spend eighty nine billion dollars in this bill to hire an army of new IRS agents is if you're going to go after as many Americans as possible. Yeah, and you're going to go after the ones who don't agree with you, right? You're going to go after, you know, they, they already have lists of vaccinated and unvaccinated, right? They, they know what they're doing. This isn't an accident. And people need to reach out to their elected officials and really, really give them hell about what's going on, about what they want to do, because... You know, again, as we've gone through this and we've only scratched the surface, right, there are no redeeming values. This is really uh, fascism trying to take over the United States. And it's really um, it should scare people. What do you think is how this thing is going to play out? What would you guess? Because I know there's you know, you got Joe Manchin, you have uh, Kristen Sinema, uh, you have a few set couple senators that are kind of standing in the way? Are they grandstanding or are they literally going to stand in the way of this thing? I think it will be next to impossible for them to pass this, you know, bill the size of two King James Bibles as it currently stands. But even passing something half the size, I mm-hmm. think would be next to impossible because of all the competing demands from the entire spectrum of the Democratic coalition because their majorities are so narrow. Trying to pass a bill that's this radical and tries to be this transformative when you have a 50-50 Senate and a super narrow House majority is unprecedented in the history of the country. If you compare it to when the New Deal passed or the Great Society programs passed under LBJ, the majorities they had then were bigger majorities than anyone has had since then. It makes no sense to try to be – to have this kind of hubris, to, to, to imagine that you can change the world and move the nation further left than it's ever been without the majorities in place. There's a really good chance that they won't be able to come to any sort of agreement. And frankly, that would be the best outcome. The federal government has already spent way too much money over the last year and a half. It's gained way too much power and control. We need to pull back. Well, and they're trying to, you know, they've they've really lost sight of the Constitution and in terms of, you know, the federal government, as you mentioned before, like take care of the military, take care of the roads. Let the states do what they need to do, but they're trying to run over the states too. And then you got Nancy Pelosi, right, blaming the media for not championing and trying to push this spending bill. It's not the Democrats' fault, it's the media's fault now who's in the pocket of the Democrats. You can see the way the, me- the press is 
actively hounding Senators Manchin and Cinema, and has been since the start of the since the start of the year when the Democrats took control of Congress, hounding them about whether they support getting rid of the filibuster or whether they're going to support these massive spending bills, and acting as though they're bad, you know, that they're they're traitors for not kowtowing to the far left. But when you have someone like, for instance, Senator McCain torpedoing the GOP's efforts to do health care reform through reconciliation in 2017, he didn't get hounded. He didn't get demonized. He was praised because he's a radical and he's independent. But when someone on the Democratic side is thinking for themselves and listening to their constituents and not you know, just being a rubber stamp for the left's agenda – Suddenly being independent is the worst thing in the world. Well, and, you know, to, to, to go along with that, right, you have people following Senator Cinema into the bathroom and, and they can't even bring themselves to say, you know what, that is uncalled for. We should never do that. If that had happened to Pelosi or somebody like that, all hell would have broken. Absolutely. And it. And it it's important to, to to make it clear that it's not like this you know three and a half trillion dollar bill or even some smaller version of it is you know well there's some good and there's some bad and conservatives are just nitpicking the problems with this le- this legislation it's soup to nuts it's top to bottom every single person who I work with at the Heritage Foundation who has looked at every aspect, whether you're talking about childcare, whether you're talking about energy, whether you're talking about healthcare, it's going to do things that ultimately will lower quality, increase costs, and at the same time, kneecap this economic recovery with all the taxes and regulations. It is the last thing we need. Well, I can't thank you enough. I, I do want people to, I want you to tell people how they can follow you, but for you to have read as much of this as you have and, and not gotten sick to your stomach is, is a miracle. So you must have a really strong constitution. But David, how can people follow what you're doing at the Heritage Foundation? Yeah, so you, you can you can follow me. I'm, uh, again, my name is David Ditch, D-I-T-C-H. Uh, my writing is at heritage.org and dailysignal.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at David A. Ditch. If you like the content of these shows that we produce on a weekly basis, please prayerfully consider supporting us. Go to ccdenver.org, click on the donate button, and then click on Respect Life Denver to support this programming. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.